0: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please?
1: You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 94 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I am your host, and it's with great pleasure that we bring you yet another cracking episode. Uh, Chris will be with me in just a minute. He's going to answer a great listener question, which I think you'll really enjoy, and we've got so much cruise news this week. Uh, We'll uh, try and get through that as best we can. Um, A little shout-out, of course, to Pierre in Singapore, who sent in this week's listener question. We'll be answering that, as I said, with Chris in just a moment. And if yourself you have a question, uh, don't hesitate to get in touch. You can do that via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com in the top right hand corner click on join the show and uh, send your question or query through to us and we'll do our best to uh, to answer that for you but I think it's probably just yes, we uh, we jump straight into it this week as I say we've got a cracking amount of cruise news to to get through so let's have that little sting of music and then I'll be back with Chris to, to welcome into the show enjoy <coughs> If, like me, you're not a great fan of fast fashion and you prefer to do things uh, a little bit more sensitively, if you can, all of our Big Cruise podcast merchandise is uh, sourced using only organic cotton, produced using only green energy, and there is zero plastic used in any of the process or packaging. Um, It's a great alternative to uh, buying a cheap souvenir T-shirt. You can buy merchandise with the big cruise podcast logo or you can design your own simply jump on we've got a whole heap of different uh, designs different styles of clothing as well and once again it's all organic it's all green energy and there's zero plastic in the whole production you'll find the link to how to do that in uh, the show notes for each and every episode but just jump on the website the big cruise podcast and look in the top right hand corner and it's that time of the week again where we welcome our good friend and maritime historian chris frame
0: welcome back Hey Barry, another week another huge news.
1: I know we said last week was bumper news and this week is whopper news if, uh, <laughs> if going, <laughs> we've gone from 9 to 12 pages of news so we'll we'll get to that in just a second but we did hint uh, last week that we had a listener question which uh, we've done a bit of digging and a little bit of research um to find out because Pierre in Singapore asked if we had any idea where the various ships of the multiple Genting brands were located. Those brands being, of course, Crystal, Dream and Star Cruises. And uh, the information that we're going to give out just now was correct as a kind of early April. So should we start off with Star Cruises, which may be the least known brand elsewhere in the world?
0: Yeah, well, just to set the, the same Baz, do you want to just fill the listeners in on what actually happened with the Genting brands?
1: Yeah, sure. So uh, a couple of years ago, um, Crystal was acquired by the the Genting Group. Genting have interest in all sorts of activities from energy production to casinos to uh, resort worlds around the world. And of course, Mm. at that point, they also had Star Cruises, which was, I guess, Asia's first uh, cruise line, which predominantly concentrated on cruises from Singapore, Taiwan and Hong Kong. Yes. Um, And then, of course, uh, Crystal was brought into the family. And at the same time, they were launching the, the kind of the new contemporary line for the Asian market which was Dream Cruises and Uh they came out with some cracking uh, ships which again were operating predominantly out of Singapore and Hong Kong and um, were doing exceptionally well and then Crystal brought in some river cruises and they brought in aircraft and uh, then of course the pandemic hit and everything uh, went a little bit uh, sour.
0: And interestingly enough, during the uh, pandemic, Dream Cruises was one of the first to resume cruising successfully out of both Taiwan and Singapore. And yeah. we've spoken many times on the podcast, but I've also done a number of videos that mention the success that they had in terms of getting passengers back on ships safely. So uh, I think it was a surprise to many when when that uh, organization with its uh, three cruise brands there ceased, uh, ceased trading in the cruise market.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's been a little while. And um, we obviously had the, the big news when the the Crystal Ocean going vessels were um, impounded in the Bahamas. Um, but obviously, the other ships, some were laid mm. up already and waiting to the restart, and others were currently in the mid of a restart, like uh, Singapore. So, uh,
0: where should we start off with? Should we start with uh, Star Cruises? Let's go with Star Cruises. Yeah. So, I mean, if we if we look at the Star Cruises brand, they have three you know, large, uh, well, say mid-sized ships, and then they have mm-hmm. uh, one smaller um, smaller ship with only 60 guests. It's a sort of a little uh, sort of boutique-type ship. So we'll start with her. Uh, her name's Taipan. She was built in 1989, and she's currently laid up in uh, Penang in Malaysia.
1: And she was to be used mostly for charters, wasn't she? Yes. She wasn't really little... sold to the general public.
0: Yeah, and she doesn't have the, the star or the superstar name in the title, so she's a little bit mm-hmm. of a... Um, uh, you know, sort of stands out a little bit with, it, with that. Um, so Penang is actually where, where, where three of these ships are. In fact, so the Star Pisces built in 1991 and the Superstar Gemini, uh, which is the second uh, ship from Star Cruises to have that name. The first one was pretty popular uh, back mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, but this one's a, a slightly bigger ship. Um, and she was built in 1992 and um, they're both in, in Penang as well. And then the Superstar Aquarius, um, built in 1993, actually had a long career with uh, Norwegian Cruise Line before she moved across to um, Star Cruises. um, And she is laid up in Port Klang in Malaysia. So that's the the four ships of the Star Cruises fleet.
1: (laughs) Then we have Dream Cruises, and they had two brand new builds and a third that was on the way. And they also converted uh, what was Superstar Virgo to be... um, one of the dream vessels, so uh, mm. we've got four ships that we can talk about for Dream.
0: Yeah, so I mean, if you think about Superstar Virgo, she was converted to become Explorer Dream um, mm-hmm. some some time back now, and she was one of the first ships that was uh, reintroduced to the to the cruising public after the uh, after the COVID pandemic. If you recall, um, mm-hmm. sailing out of Taiwan. Uh, she entered service in 1999. She was actually one of a duo of ships. The other one was Superstar Leo, which now currently sails for um, Norwegian Cruise Line. We should probably say that Norwegian Cruise Line and Star Cruises did originally have quite a close um, uh, relationship back in the 90s yeah. and early 2000s. So that's probably why there's so many crossovers there. Um, and uh, the, the renamed uh, Explorer G- Dream, she uh, carries about 2,000 guests and she's currently led up in Port Clang as well, where she's been since March of this year.
1: And then we've got the the Singapore, the Hong Kong based ships. So we'll start with World Dream, who was up in Singapore.
0: Yes, yeah, so World Dream is one of those newer ones that you were referring to. Twenty seventeen, she entered service about three and a half or three thousand four hundred guests. Um, she'd been resuming had resumed sailing out of uh, out of Singapore, and it have been very successful. We've spoken about it many times before, um, and she's currently laid up in Marina Bay in Singapore. And then the Genting Dream, which had actually commenced uh, operations out of Hong Kong. Um, she entered service the year prior, a very similar design, so same passenger capacity, uh, and she actually is now in Anchorage just off Hong Kong, so she's still in the area where she was operating. And then mm-hmm. the third one um, of the new ships, at least, the, the third newer ship that we were going to talk about is the Global Dream, which had been um, expected to enter service this year. Um, it's currently under construction in Germany, and it's about 75%, 3 quarters complete, 75% mm-hmm. complete. Um, and I think there's a big question mark over what's going to happen with that ship. I mean, it's obviously, it's not the first time that a cruise line has, um, has ceased operations during the construction of a ship. And quite often you'll see a new um, company come in and, uh, and acquire that build. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see what's going to happen with Global Dream.
1: Yeah, interesting, exactly. Um, now, we'll move over to Crystal next. We'll start off with their ocean-going vessels. Mm. Um, of course, we've got the, the two existing vessels that have been well-loved and v- very uh, much loved by the Crystal guests for, for some time, and, of course, the new expedition ship, which only just came into service um, oh, yes. prior to this all kind of going quiet, of course. Uh,
0: and it looks so um, promising, particularly in the lead-up to the pandemic. So Crystal Symphony was uh, the second of um, of a... Of a of those types of ships for crystal Cruises. The first one was Crystal Harmony, which left the fleet some time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the symphony was built in 1995. She has uh, around about 900 passengers. She's, she's very well-renowned as uh, being a luxury experience, um, and she's in Freeport in the Bahamas. Um, the Crystal Serenity is a larger version of the Crystal Symphony, so she was kind of uh, – they took all the best elements of the symphony and then scaled it up. It's only got 100 extra guests, but the ship itself is a bit more sort of, it has a bit more of a a presence because it's a bit larger. Um, And it also is in Freeport in the Bahamas. Uh, And then the Crystal Endeavour, which is that uh, 200 passenger sort of expedition ship that you were referring to, uh, she's at anchor off Gibraltar.
1: Exactly. And I just realized I missed one. Crystal Esprit, she was the little yacht that they were using predominantly around uh, Croatia and the Greek Isles and up in the Seychelles. Um, She actually pops up in Cruise News a little bit later because she's actually been acquired and converted for another cruise line. Mm. Um, Lindblad National Geographic are using her over in the Galapagos. She's already back in operation.
0: fantastic. Yeah. And she's very well, you know, that expedition design, very well suited for that kind of role. Mm -hmm. And then we also have the Crystal River cruise ships, Baz.
1: Yeah, and again, with this brand, they've got the the Crystal Mozart, which was the larger vessel. It actually is the largest river cruise vessel afloat, I believe. And then they've got the four sister ships, which they built specifically for for the Rhine. Um, I'm guessing uh, Mozart is probably somewhere on the Danube. Mm-hmm um i believe it's probably in Linz. and then we've got the the four sisters the crystal back the debussy the Mahala, and the Ravel. all built in 17 and 18 um they're in a boatyard um just kind of northwest of Nijmegen and rotterdam so about halfway along that river there and so right. uh, they've been there for a couple of months now
0: ah yes so there's a you know, quite a lot of ships displaced, and uh, I believe some of them are, are currently being managed by V Ships, which, of course, is a, a management agent that looks after after ships. They've um, they've been in the news a few times over the last uh, over the last decade because of some of the large and famous ships that they've kind of come in to, to um, assist with the management of, including the QE two in Dubai when she was laid up there mm. for a while. Um, but they've got a good uh, good reputation of being able to look after ships that are sort of a bit displaced. Uh, and hopefully we'll see a, a future home for some of these ships, at least. I mean, you would be thinking that if you were looking at sort of the Aquarius, Gemini and Pisces, they're quite, you know, built in the early 90s. They might be a little bit more uh, difficult to find new homes for. But some of these ships, such as the World Dream and, uh, and Genting Dream, they're so new and so um, sort of modern in terms of their amenities and passenger comforts that you, you would assume that they'll be able to find something for them in the future.
1: Yeah, and I believe there's a couple of groups that are actually um, trying to save the Crystal brand and the mm. Crystal assets and come back uh, with a, a new version of Crystal. So yeah. we'll, we'll wait and keep that, uh, keep that front of mind as and when things come out on that one for everybody.
0: And we spoke so much last year about the rebirth of Swan Hellenic, so maybe we'll see the rebirth of Crystal this year.
1: Who knows? You never know. <laughs> <In disguise. laughs> Chris, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and uh, start what will be a bumper edition of Cruise News yet again. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Okay, Chris, the the biggest news, uh, certainly down here in Australia, is, of course, that P&O Australia's first of the three ships is already on its way and will actually be arriving in a week's time. So we're recording this on Sunday. She'll be here on Easter Monday in Sydney Harbour. Tell us more, Chris.
0: How exciting. Yes. So this is Pacific Explorer. And although she is the oldest of the three ships that are going to be part of the kind of revitalised P&O Australia fleet, um, she is the flagship of the fleet, and listeners who were with us back in 2020 will remember um, that when Australia closed its border to cruise uh, cruise ships uh, back in March of 2020, she was uh, rather dramatically expelled from Sydney Harbour with the police presence and everything. So it was quite a um, quite a you know a bit of a an, an eye catching moment to see that happening. Australia's homegrown cruise line, and it's just wonderful to see that they're going to be able to come back now that the borders come down. And recommence um, voyages out of out of Sydney. So, she'll be um, returning, as you said, on uh, the 18th of April. Uh, it's a pretty you know special day. It'd be a public holiday here in Australia, so there'll be plenty of people out on the harbour. I, I I don't doubt to see the first uh, big cruise ship coming back into into Sydney Harbour. Uh, and then um, they've got uh, sort of a, a bit of a special, um, I guess, list of areas where you, can, where you can watch the ship um, if you want to see that arrival. So she'll be making her way through the heads at about 9.30 in the morning, nice uh, reasonable time so people will be up and about. 10.10, um, mm-hmm. 10, they think she's going to pass Fort Denison, which is that um, brick fort in the sort of near, nearby the, um, the, the Sydney uh, Opera House that uh, people, international travelers might recognize from photographs mm-hmm. of Sydney Harbour. Um, she'll be passing the Opera House about 10 minutes later. And then we'll actually be berthing at the Overseas Passenger Terminal, which is the one right next to the Sydney uh, Harbour Bridge um, for a sort of the end of her arrival. So they won't be going under the bridge through to White Bay, where she usually operates from, but they'll be parking her right there in the centre of Sydney. Um, I suppose that's just, um, you know, the, the most fitting place to have her after yeah, P&O yeah. returns. P&O has been sailing to Australia since the uh, 19th century. So to see the, the first ship come back after a two-year hiatus is going to be quite a sight. Hmm. Now, am I right in
1: thinking, Chris, that these ships are registered in either London or Southampton? Certainly, the UK.
0: Yes, they actually they are. They're registered in in London. All three of them. Uh, so they're British flagged um, and internationally crewed and um, Australian managed. So uh, these ships, the the three that will be in the P and O Australia Fleet, Baz, uh, Pacific Explorer, Pacific Adventure, and Pacific Encounter, they will all be home ported in Australia, but their mm-hmm. flag. Um, state is the United Kingdom.
1: Yeah, the only reason I mention that, I wonder if uh, PO will change. I don't know how easy it is to change a ship's uh, registry, but uh, to protect themselves down the track, if anything similar were to happen, maybe they would consider register them in sydney i don't know
0: well you uh, know there's both. no there's no ships of that scale registered on the australian um on the australian registry for for uh, merchant shipping um, okay the, the largest ones um, for, for passenger use um are the the spirit of tasmania vessels um, oh, of so it is possible to register the ships here and of course we, we've spoken before about um you know the smaller the smaller ships of um some of the australian cruise lines with maybe less just less than 100 passengers who were still able to, to travel throughout the pandemic um but you know there was two two things that prevented these ships from sailing uh during the last two years the first of course was the the cruise ban which banned internationally flagged cruise ships regardless of what country they were flagged in from mm-hmm. sailing in australian waters but the other was the passenger number restrictions so even if Say Pacific Explorer had been True. registered in Sydney, um, if they were saying you could only have like 200 passengers on board, there's no way they yeah, could have yeah. made that work economically. So there's, there was twofold for this very unusual situation.
1: Mm, yeah, no, that's a good point. It would be nice um, though to
0: see like you know Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Perth, or whatever on the on the stern of the ship. It would have been that would be pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, I guess watch this space. We'll see. I don't know. It's just a a question that popped into my head there. Um, now we've also had some great news out of Canada. As we record this on Sunday, they overnight have welcomed the first ship into Victoria on the, the 9th ninth of April, and we'll be welcoming the same ship into Vancouver on the tenth of April. We're talking, of course, about Holland America's Koningsdam.
0: Yes, so she'll be calling at uh, Victoria and Vancouver, as you as you mentioned. Um, and there's all sorts of celebratory events, as you can imagine. Canada is one of those places that's also um, benefited very much from cruising over the, over the last uh, few decades and it's been uh, a very like, long hiatus for them as well. And I believe you've got some audio from the captain um, to share the excitement of this particular event.
1: Yeah, he recorded it just before he was arriving, so uh, let's, let's drop that in right now. We're, uh, we're sailing uh, paralleling uh, the West Coast and we're just hours away from uh, yeah, entering uh, Canadian waters again, uh, Victoria. Victoria. And after that, uh, Vancouver, and it it really is uh, great to be back. Uh, We've got a long history um, sailing uh, through British Columbia and Alaska, and uh, we're very excited uh, to be back, to be back in in, in Canada and uh, embarking our guests
0: from there. Well, that was fantastic to hear that, like from the ship and from the uh, experience there over in Canada, Baz.
1: Yeah, 905 days since the, the ship had visited that port. And uh, just a reminder, Holland America is very well known on the, the West Coast there. Oh. and In fact, they'll have six ships in Alaska calling at uh, Victoria and Vancouver throughout the season, um, carrying about 140,000 guests over the season. Incredible numbers.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, we've also spoken about um, when they go up into the Alaska market, um, they have those uh, grandfather rights up there as well. So I think that's one yep. of the reasons why they're so renowned is because you can board the ship in, um, in, in, uh, in Vancouver and then go on a voyage up to, to Alaska.
1: Yeah. And of course, uh, the, the East Coast for the fall season will also be welcoming ships uh, a little later in the year uh, as well. Now let's bring it back home. Let's talk uh, Queensland uh, for a moment. Mm. And I'm surprised this bit of news has not happened previously. Royal Caribbean has uh, partnered with Village Roadshow, which the operator of the theme parks up on the Gold Coast there. And uh, yeah, I'm just surprised the cruise line hasn't done this previously.
0: Yeah, so for our international listeners, the Gold Coast um, is an area just south of Brisbane and it's um, kind of quite close to the border between uh, Queensland and New South Wales on the, west, on the mm-hmm. east coast um, of Australia. Um, there are a number of theme parks there. Um, so think of it a little bit like, I suppose, Australia's um, equivalent of the area in Florida where you have all those theme parks sort of clustered together. Uh, yes. It's a little bit like that. And uh, there's a Movie World, which is a Warner Brothers-themed, Bugs Bunny, you know, um, Harry Potter kind of themed, um, all those sort of franchise things there. There's Sea World, uh, which is an Australian version of um, of the marine um, park. Um, Wet and Wild, which is a, a water park and paradise country. And they're going to be um, working with the Royal Caribbean to to allow for sort of a, a tie-in there and offer a 16 uh, sorry, uh, the 15% discount on accommodation on those steed pikes as well for passengers um, who were travelling with um, Royal Caribbean in Australian waters. Yeah, perfect for those
1: people that want to add a little pre-stay accommodation and theme park pass before their uh, South Pacific itinerary, of course, and uh, we'll be welcoming Royal Caribbean um, back to the Australian waters a little later this year. Now, let's stay with Royal Caribbean as well because um, they have just laid the keel for the next ship, which I believe will be Icon of the Seas.
0: Yes, and you know, she's been built in Finland, um, expected to um, come into service in 2023. So just gives you an idea as to how quickly these ships can be built these days. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, one of the ships that's going to be powered by a liquefied natural gas, which is, again, a big shift that's happening all across the industry at the moment. Yeah, we seem to speak about that quite a lot now, don't we? We do. I think you're going to start seeing... Um, you know, more and more new ships coming in like that and probably over time you'll, you'll get pressure building to, to refit or retrofit older ones um, as we become more environmentally conscious. Um, and this particular event, the, the keel laying, that's sort of basically the start of the construction pro- process proper. So the metal and steels and stuff have been cut in the background and then they build this first block that they put down onto the, onto the ground. It, um, it requires a crane that can carry a, a 3,000 ton load um, mm-hmm. And from that particular block, the rest of the ship will be built, and you'll start to see it taking shape.
1: Yeah, I'm sure we'll start to get more and more news about Icon as uh, they drip that bits of information to us. Now, let's stay with the royal family because over at Celebrity, they've done a sign, sealed, and delivery on uh, Celebrity Beyond.
0: Yeah, so she's the third um, ship in the Edge class, um, and they're they're sort of flagging her as being the most luxurious one. Um, in that particular class and in fact, in fact, in their fleet as well. And celebrity as we've spoken about before has gone through mm-hmm. a bit of a transformation over the, the pandemic time with all sorts of additional included um, elements in the fairs and sort of reposition themselves a bit. So it's, um, you know, this is the, the latest in, in that particular um, line of luxury ships. She's um, been built La Chantière de l'Antique in St. Nazaire in France, a very famous shipyard that we have spoken about before and, um, And uh, she's expected to set sail on her maiden voyage uh, on the 27th of April in um, 2022, so just in a week's and a bit's time.
1: Yeah, and of course, Captain McHugh, uh, Captain Kate, of course, is uh, Mm. the head of the vessel and the 1,400 crew, which come from 60 different countries. And as you say, that that first voyage, voyage, 27th of April from Southampton, will be going on a Western Europe cruise to Bordeaux, France, Lisbon, uh, Seville, Malaga, Palma de Mallorca, Barcelona, and then she'll operate uh, the rest of the season in the Med before heading over to the Caribbean for the northern winter. Sounds wonderful. Let's stay in Europe because... uh, over the weekend, uh, we've had yet another ship uh, burst into life and mm-hmm. light. This time we're talking about Christina Vogel, who has just christened Ida Cosma in Hamburg.
0: Yes, and uh, was uh, they used this motto, uh, the world is becoming more colourful. And during the actual uh, naming uh, ceremony, uh, christening, they, they had a, a musical light show in the port of Hamburg. And, you know, Hamburg always uh celebrates ships it's a it's mm-hmm. a maritime port it has the shipyard there as well so it's um you know you always get a great welcome if you're sailing or out um and then on the ship itself they um had um a, a light show as well as the ship made its way uh our way from its berth. so a very yeah. spectacular sort of welcome into the fleet
1: yeah, and she's, of course, going to be taking two weeks on her maiden voyage, uh, sailing over the Easter holidays. And then her main season will start from the 23rd of April through to October, where she'll be sailing out of Palma, Mallorca and Barcelona before she's going to be working in Dubai for the northern winter, of course.
0: Yes. Dubai, again, becoming a more popular cruise port each year. I mean, obviously, we've had a bit of a hiatus for the last two years, but it was definitely becoming something on the map when the lead up to the pandemic.
1: Yeah, certainly for, for the Europeans, that's a great place uh, for, for a little winter escape. And uh, as you say, cruising was starting to become more and more important to the, the Middle East there. Um, let's move on to NCL. We've got a couple of stories here from NCL. The first one is that they've, uh, they're have they setting into the metaverse. Now, I had to read mm. what this was because I didn't really understand <laughs> this, to be honest.
0: <laughs> yes, it's like a virtual virtual world, isn't it, really? Um, the metaverse. Am I right and- thinking
1: it's a virtual... You're buying a virtual piece of art, is that right?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, there's... Uh, I can't do explaining NFTs um, uh, justice, to be honest, Baz, but there's some, very, there's some very good videos. In fact, if I can recommend our listeners go to um, CGP Gray's channel on YouTube, um, okay. and he's got an excellent video that tries, tries to explain it and it's still kind of, I don't know, my my brain starts to melt thinking about people paying this kind of money for these sorts of things, but it's definitely <laughs> an area where, where um, a lot of people are making a lot of money. So... Um, I'm not surprised to see a cruise line uh, getting involved in it as well.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like the cheapest piece of art can be 250 US dollars right through to 250,000 for the starting price at the auctions. But yeah, we'll, we'll leave the experts to explain what that exactly means. Meanwhile, NCL is also talking about uh, 2022 will be its greatest season in Europe to date. And they're kicking it off with uh, sailings from 10 different departure ports.
0: Yes, absolutely. And as part of this um norwegian prima which we've been speaking about for a while we'll mm. be making her um her first you know her, her debut i suppose um with sailings into iceland um there's going to be all sorts of other um voyages on uh on sale as well so northern Europe's going to be uh the domain of norwegian uh, getaway dawn star and also um a prima which we mentioned before um There's going to be Mediterranean sailings from uh, Norwegian Escape, Epic, and Star, Norwegian Star. There'll be Greek Isles sets of itineraries, which are going to be focused on by Norwegian Norwegian Jade and Norwegian Gem. And they've also announced uh, a world-famous American Idol judge is going to be one of the ship's godmothers, Baz.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago. Katy Perry, of course, has been announced as the Norwegian Primer um, godmother. Mm. and <clears throat> She'll be, uh, of course, christening that ahead of the, the season, heading up into the far reaches of far northern Europe. Um, staying in the Meds or Europe yet again, uh, MSC Cruises have opened the sale on uh, MSC Eurobia or Eurobia, um, which is, of course, I think we touched on her a couple of weeks ago to mm. say that there were some tweaks in her, her itineraries. But yeah, they're now open for sale, and I believe they'll be very popular.
0: Yes, so she's also LNG powered, so that's another bit of a, a theme there, under construction at the Chantier as well in France, so they're a very busy area. Um, and she's going to be offering seven-night uh, voyages, so they'll include sailings to the Norwegian fjords, um, as well as voyages from Germany. Um, there's going to be calls in Copenhagen, Denmark, um, uh, Norwegian calls, as I mentioned, a number of them, including uh, Fjord, which is absolutely beautiful um, part of the world, and Alessand, uh, as mm-hmm. well as Flam in, um, in Norway. So... You know, it's Northern Europe delight there, but it uh, definitely sounds very, very tempting. I must say.
1: Yeah, and uh, let's stay with MSC as well because a couple of weeks ago we were talking about the new art competition, and uh, I think we joked that I couldn't possibly enter this because I can't draw at all. But um, they've actually received all the entries from around the world, and they had a record number from 59 different countries. But they have chosen the 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 winner, and uh, their art will be displayed on uh, the next uh, Miravir Plus class ship.
0: Exactly and there were 59 uh, or designs from 59 countries were submitted uh, during that particular competition and they've been able to um, they've been able to sort of choose one um, the winner being German artist Alex Flemig uh, and his design um, it's been promoted under the hashtag save the sea and it uh, features a number of underwater um, world pictures of the sea life and the waves and the things that we're trying to well, the, the organizations around the world are trying to preserve, including MSC with its foundation.
1: Yeah, and there is some images on the website, actually. If you go to the news section, and we've, I've listed this as a, a separate news item, there is an image of the, the artwork for the ship there, and it, uh, yeah, it looks quite striking. Now, of course, uh, Carnival Cruise Lines have been celebrating for for quite some time now mm. as they uh, celebrate the, the milestone uh, birthday that they're going through this year, but they're celebrating for a different reason this time, and it's because it was the busiest week of sales ever.
0: Yes, another one of those uh, <laughs> back-to-back sort of record-breaking moments that we've been talking about uh, over the last few, few months, actually. Um, so they reported a double-digit increase on their previous um, record for the full seven-day sort of booking uh, period. Um, they've got 22 of their 23 ships back in, um, in service now, and all of the year-round US-based uh, ships uh, are back in, in service. So as you can imagine, as the, as the market uh, wakes up over there and more and more people get access to the ability to go on a cruise, there must be a huge amount of demand uh, to, to get a place secured on board those ships.
1: Yeah, interesting. There that even though Carnival has lost some of its older ships, there by the end of this year they'll have more available lower berths than they had prior to two thousand and nineteen. Yeah. So these new ships that are coming in are obviously making a big difference uh, to, to Carnival. So w- well done to all.
0: Well, that's it, and, and I think the, the the new ships obviously have they're much significantly larger than the ones that they were that were yes. uh, sent to uh, to scrap during the during the pandemic. So yeah, you'll end up with a, a greater total number of cabins. Uh, in the long run.
1: Exactly. Now, uh, Cunard, one of your favorites, Chris, they are uh, celebrating the lifelong career of a very popular ph- philanthropist and actress uh, Betty White.
0: Yes, of course, uh, Betty White. Uh, she passed away on the, um, New Year's Eve last year at the age of 99. Incredible. Um, and yes, absolutely. And she's had she's had such a wonderful long career and I think, you know, everybody remembers her from from various different shows i think the golden girls was one of the ones that put her well and truly in into pop culture <laughs> um <laughs> and you know cunard say that she, with her epitomizing the warmth grace and and class of 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 you know as being a television icon i suppose um that they're going to be doing this uh five um well, this transatlantic rather crossing on the 5th of august on board queen mary two. And they'll be partnering with um, Julian's Auctions to honor the life of Betty White.
1: Yeah, I guess people are getting a sneak preview of uh, some of her beloved items that they can choose to, to bid on later down the track once they, uh, of course, uh, arrive into uh, to New York. But yeah, a bit of extra information available there in the show notes as well. Uh, staying with Carnival Corporation, but this time with the Italian brand Costa. Um, they have uh, just restarted from the port of Genoa with Costa Firenze.
0: Yeah, so they, um, you know, they recommenced their, their voyages uh, in July of last year, Baz, but they'll be calling at Genoa every Thursday uh, until the end of November. Uh, they've got these one-week Western Mediterranean itineraries, um, and so they'll be calling in at Marseille and Barcelona, Cagliari, uh, Palermo, Civitavecchia for Rome, um, and um, in this, well, this year, they will be in Genoa uh, for a total of 45 calls,
1: Mm, and also, interestingly, it doesn't say it in the show notes here, but they're actually relaxing the requirements for, for shore excursions. Obviously, previously, um, you had to uh, leave the ship mm. in the, the bubble, um, as it were. But uh, that's been relaxed and you're now free to to wander by yourself if you want to or take a shore excursion or arrange something under your own steam. But uh, great that uh, Firenze will be uh, delivering these guests to Genoa and uh, making a big difference to uh, to the tourism economy in that part of the world.
0: Yes, Absolutely.
1: Yes, so of course, last week we spoke about Fred Olsen and their great uh, April Fool's joke that they, uh, <laughs> they sent out. They did reassure me that this one is not an April Fool's, and in fact they are unveiling the 93-night Beauty of Africa in the Indian Ocean.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's going to be sailing on board the Ballet which is one of their new, two new ships, former Holland America line ships, mm. but they've been kind of given a pretty extensive uh, refit before becoming, the, the uh, I guess, the stars of the Fred Olsen fleet now. Um, this is a very extensive itinerary that they're going to be sailing on, um, Baz. Starting off, I think in... it'd be very, very popular. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're t- talking to us about a record-breaking s- sales for this <laughs> one as well. Um, you know, starting off in, in Southampton, ending in Southampton, um, and making many, many calls. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at the, the parts on the African continent, starting off in Alexandria, and Egypt, after spending a little bit of time um, in the Mediterranean. Um, you've got uh, Port Said, um, then um, there's actually calls in Jeddah and for Saudi Arabia. Uh, then they actually go across to um, Mumbai and India. So mm. it's not just um, and not just'm sorry, not just Africa, rather the Indian Ocean is um, definitely covered there. Um, there's other calls um, including Zanzibar, Tanzania, there's calls in Madagascar, Mauritius, um, uh, Mozambique, uh, and South Africa, so there's Durban, um, Richards Bay, East London, which are um, some of the South African ports. Um, uh, there's more many South African ports, in fact, there's a whole list of them. And then, of course, we end up in Cape Town. Um, and then the ship sails back up, um, making calls in, in, uh, in Ghana, for example, in Sengal. And then back on the way to Southampton makes a call in Tenerife and Madeira
1: yeah no cracking itinerary and if you want to see the full list it is in the show notes but also they've got some great overnight stays in Victoria um, in Seychelles Mombasa Kenya a two night stay in Port Louis Mauritius a three night extended stay in Cape Town South Africa um so uh, a lot to see and do on that particular itinerary and as i say yeah i think we could be talking about that in a couple of weeks saying that it was uh sold out in record time mm-hmm. uh, we're gonna stay in the uk we've got our friends at saga they've uh, just launched the 2023 ocean itineraries and there are, again are some cracking itineraries in there and i have included a few little snapshots in the the show notes but i thought i i just picked out uh, some of the, the ones that really sang out to me
0: yeah well i mean before you before you go on that there's a 78 78- night south american cruise which sounds amazing um there's some unusual ports that they're including in it as well um so check the show notes out there just to see sort of a list of those but what are the ones that you've picked up as
1: Uh, I picked out a 30-night springtime in the Caribbean, which is round-trip out of Portsmouth in uh, March of 23. Uh, They've got a few uh, autumn colours of New England, but there's a cracking 28-night itinerary that leaves in September of 23. Um, Mm. If uh, you don't have time on your side and you want some little short cruises, they've got an abundance of little five-night cruises um, out to Ireland um, on the Spirit of discovery. Mm. Uh, If you want to go to four reaches of northern Europe, you've got Greenland and Iceland, departing in June for 17 nights, and even, of course, a classic med, uh, just a nice little 18-night classic Italy at a prodding from Dover in June. But, yeah, so many to choose from. I really just have to just pick a few out there. What
0: a shame we're both too young to sail with Saga.
1: I know. <laughs> there has to be
0: some advantages of getting older, though, I suppose.
1: <laughs> well, mind you, i probably get away with it with all my grey hair at the minute. So. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> They might know this on your passport,
0: though. Yeah, that's true.
1: (laughs) Now, uh, we'll stay in Europe again, this time with the the French uh, award-winning cruise line Pernant. Now, this news actually is from November of last year, but they've only just released it. I'm guessing it's around uh, the the movie that they were filming at the time. But they had an award-winning French film director on board to shoot uh, an incredible uh, array of images down in Antarctica. So the filmmaker is not new to this particular part of the world. He has done other works previously, but he spent uh, quite a bit of time down there on the, the later ship, Commandant Charcot, which we've spoken mm. about quite a lot. Yeah, we have. Um, and this film that he's uh, recorded is actually called, um, in English, The Magnetic Continent on the Tracks of the Emperor Penguin. So it's obviously going to be a great wildlife documentary of some sorts and uh, look forward to seeing that when it does come out.
0: Yes, it's nice to see that they're expanding that uh... – that nature connection. And in fact, it leads us quite well into the next piece of news, which is about a, uh, a connection with National Geographic's.
1: Yeah, so we touched on this a little earlier when we were talking about the crystal ships. Mm. Um, I mentioned that Lindblad had taken over Crystal Esprit, which was a beautiful little yacht. Um, They've obviously had her for a little bit of time because they've uh, done some works on her. They've uh, made a few little improvements, not that they needed many, um, but they are now going to be homeporting her um, over in the Galapagos Isles, um, and she's a cracking little vessel, just 48 guests, Mm. and really does uh, allow you to discover in that intimate detail a part of the world which is very very special indeed just yeah. 280 feet long 46 feet wide 26 all suites, all suites. Yeah, yeah. yeah
0: they say each one features large windows and convertible king twin beds a sofa marble double sink bathrooms and a stock minibar which sounds fantastic
1: yeah no it's a, it's a beautiful little vessel in fact in in its previous life prior to setting Public cruises for Crystal. I believe it was actually the chairman's private yacht. And uh, obviously nice. Crystal spent quite a bit of money on it converting it for, for passenger use. And it does look impressive. So nice little addition to the Galapagos there. And um, yes, Swan absolutely. Hellenic, we touched on these guys a little earlier in the show. Um, they've just announced the name of their third bespoke expedition vessel, which will be called the SH Diana.
0: Yes. I mean, I suppose SH stands for Swan Hellenic. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yes, Diana, the, the name of the ship... Um, and uh, she is going to be a very nice little um, uh, ship she's got a uh, again uh, this hybrid engine system so it's a diesel electric Mm -hmm. but it's a it's a hybrid uh, ready propulsion system Um, the ship is ice strengthened in terms of its its ability to to sail into those areas that require a pc6 standard hull Um, and it's uh, it's ready and port certified to to enter service um, measuring in at 125 meters long and then one, and 12,100 tons.
1: Yeah, and interestingly, um, she's taken her name um, from Swan Lanark's roots back in the uh, – taking the name from the ancient Roman goddess. And this ship, even though she is eye-strengthened, will be spending the uh, early 2023 season in the Mediterranean and through the famous sites of antiquity. Mm, very nice. Now, our last bit of news is also from Europe, and this time it's with Erosa, a river cruise line that we speak of uh, quite regularly. They've just celebrated their 20th anniversary, Chris.
0: So, yes, with the 20th anniversary being um, celebrated, this company actually started off as a, a German offshoot from P&O Princess Cruises. Yeah. And we've spoken about the – how. yeah, we've sp- spoken about how um, – how deeply connected P&O Princess was in the development of cruising. So this is back before it was acquired and uh, by Carnival Corporation. It was its own entity um, and they had a, a growing European presence um, and they were um, operating ships on the Danube, uh, river, river cruisers. Um, and then actually, interestingly enough, um, they did actually step into ocean cruising for a brief period as well. Um, mm. The Pacific the ship that's best known as the, um, either the Crown Princess or the uh, Pacific Jewel, she actually say, sailed with um, Arosa, Arosa Blue for a little while mm. in um, ocean cruising, but that wasn't, um, that wasn't great for, for, for that brand. So they actually moved her across to Aida, which is another company that was originally part of the Piano Princess um, stable. So they've um, now got 12 ships in their fleet, and they'll all be sailing in, um, in Europe Baz, to celebrate this uh, 20th anniversary.
1: Yeah, so they've certainly expanded from the, the early days of the Danube. They're now on the Rhine. Sorry, they're now on the Rhine. Um, they're on the Mosel. They're up in the, the Seine in the northern France, mm. uh, and also Portugal. And of course, they've got that new eco vessel that they've been uh, talking about recently. Um, so uh, going from strength to strength, and a uh, good Absolutely. option if you want to travel with children on river cruises because they uh,
0: they're exceptionally child friendly or family friendly, oh. should I say? And we spoke about them a little bit um, during the pandemic because they were one of the first ones to start uh, safe cruising again uh, on those rivers.
1: That's right. Yeah, with the, the homegrown domestic market out of uh, Germany and Austria, of course. Chris, it's been a bumper. We've, uh, we've got to 40 I minutes know. of cruise Goodness news me. there. So yes. uh,
0: so we will, we will save that maritime history question about the origins of the different funnel colors to next yeah. week, because we just don't have okay. time to get into it today. I don't think, Baz, with all, yeah. with all of the cruise news, but there's so much happening. It's really getting exciting.
1: Yeah, it is. And uh, well, the time is now ticking. We've got that little date for the the arrival of the ship, uh, the first Australian ship, back in our waters, of course, next Monday. Anybody who's in Sydney, you are encouraged to either get out on the waterway or get out to a vantage point and uh, celebrate the the return of uh, cruising to Australian waters. And uh, we look forward to uh, hearing from guests that sail on those first sailings when she heads up the, the coastline on that first voyage at the end of May to, to Queensland. But, Chris, that's all we've got time for this week. We'll uh, catch up uh, same time next week for hopefully even more positive cruise news that we'll collate from around the world.
0: Sounds great, Belle. See you then.
1: Hello, it's me again. Just wanted to thank those of you that have supported us via Buy Me A Coffee. Um, If you're not familiar with that uh, system, it's a little bit like Patreon, where you can support your favourite YouTuber or artist. Um, We use Buy Me A Coffee, which is basically because we love coffee. Um, And in a nutshell, you can donate the cost of a coffee, about four Australian dollars, or multiple coffees if you prefer. Um, And in return, you receive priority access to all of the podcasts. So it doesn't matter where you listen to your podcast. If you support us via Buy Me A Coffee, you will receive an email every week um, just saying the new podcast is live and available. Here's the link, or listen to it in your favourite podcast, and uh, it gets to you about 12 to 24 hours before anybody else gets access to it. So it's a a great little bonus there. And uh, once again, it's about four Aussie dollars. One coffee, multiple coffees, you decide, but every little donation is greatly appreciated. And just a reminder, you can find the link uh, to Buy Me A Coffee in the show notes, on the website, and uh, also via the Buy Me A Coffee app. Thanks in advance.
0: That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?